Welcome to Garfield Memorial Church. We are one church in three locations, Pepper Pike, Ohio, South Euclid, Ohio, and Liberia, Africa. Together, we seek to widen the circle through our core values of diversity, safety, authenticity, growth, and forgiveness. To learn more about Garfield Memorial Church, visit our website at garfieldchurch.org. And now, may you be blessed and inspired by our weekly podcast of the message from the 10 a.m. Sunday morning Mosaic worship service. Garfield Memorial Church, widening the circle. I know where you can find one of them. Really? Come on, girls. I'm sorry, it was too messy. It's you, isn't it? Sir, I have to ask you to leave. You are so talented, Wes. Extraordinary. Unique. I would even say beautiful. (laughs) Sir, please leave me alone. So the cat's out of the bag. My favorite movie is, in fact, The Greatest Showman, that great musical with Hugh Jackman and, and so many others. And I, uh, Pastor Chip, I think, may have been responsible for a little misdirection. We put Woodstock and Yellow Submarine on those because everybody pegs me as an old hippie, which I am. But uh, The Greatest Showman has, has really impacted me in deep ways. And um, so... It, Barnum is the center of this film. It's not a biopic. It's not necessarily um, accurate in in lots of different details. But um, he had this brilliant idea. He had had a museum that had wax figures and other things, but he had this idea that if he had live people that were different, that were oddities, as he said, that people would come and see. And so he went after it to make money, but there's some redemption that happens in the course of the of the film in Barnum's life. And so, sort of a fun fact here, I graduated from Tufts University in Boston uh, with a degree in English. I'd spent a couple years at University of Chicago. And P.T. Barnum actually was a trustee of Tufts, and he donated Jumbo the Elephant to Tufts University. And so, you see the picture there, there was a P.T. Barnum Hall when I was there, but then there was a sad day on April 14, 1975, when P.T. Barnum Hall caught fire and all that remains of Jumbo the Elephant, that stuffed hide, is a jar of his ashes, a peanut butter jar. 
So that is my connection to P.T. Barnum. That is not why it's my favorite movie, but um, it was just a funny, I thought it was funny, but um, I, I, what really draws me, though, to The Greatest Showman is we've been looking connections. We've been saying that the, the greatest story, all stories lead to the greatest story. And the, the greatest showman has some really important ways in which it that points us to the greatest story ever told, which is the story of Jesus Christ. And so that, that clip that we shared, where this is where Barnum is recruiting his cast, and he puts up the signs. And what do the signs say? Wanted. Wanted. And you see the people there, people that look very, very different. When have they ever been told they're wanted? This is the first time. And so they, he gathers them, and they come, and you see where he goes and finds uh, Letty Lutz, who is hanging laundry, and he hears her voice, and it's amazing to him. And then you can see, though, that she's ashamed for him to see her face. It's been covered up by the laundry. But he says to her, you are extraordinary. You're unique. I would even say you're beautiful. Now, do you think that Letty had ever heard anybody say she was beautiful before? But Barnum saw that in her. And we've been excluding people forever, right? As long as humanity has existed. And even, even in, in the Bible, there's a, a sense where we're not accepted. In Leviticus, there's a whole passage in Leviticus 21 that talks about all the exclusions that make you not worthy to serve God in the temple or the tabernacle. And there are things from blemishes to deformities to being too short or too tall to have um, something broken, to have skin rashes. And if you have a broken foot or a broken hand or an itching disease or scabs, and then there's one disqualification. If you have crushed certain body part, and if you're a guy, this is a very painful thought. You can't serve God. You're considered unworthy, unclean. And I know that for some of you here today, you've been made to feel shamed or unclean or unworthy, like you don't belong, like you can't serve God, like you can't be in God's presence. But the greatest invitation says that you're wanted. Jesus is the good shepherd who comes to seek and save the lost. The one who puts up a wanted sign and says, you are wanted. That's the greatest invitation. That's the invitation that Jesus gives to us as our, as our good shepherd. And this is the voice of God in Jesus Christ saying, you are wanted. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me if you're mourning. Come to me if you don't know what your purpose is. It's the greatest invitation, and God invites us to that. An illustration of Jesus with this is the call of Levi in the book of Luke in chapter 5, where he has, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. 
But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus always got in trouble for eating with the wrong people, for loving the wrong people. But notice here, Levi follows Jesus. He gets up, leaves everything. And then what does he do? Then he has a great banquet. Who does he invite? People like himself. Tax collectors were reviled in that culture because they were seen as collaborators with the Roman government. So if you were Jewish and you were a tax collector, that was a very shameful thing and you would be an outcast. But Levi invites his fellow tax collectors and others to table and invites Jesus too because he knows that they will be safe with him. And that's why there were always people around Jesus that were otherwise rejected. The woman that was hemorrhaging and blood made you unclean if you had an issue of blood. And people that had leprosy. And people that nobody else would listen to. Even children. Children weren't valued in that day and age, but kids loved Jesus. And it's pretty hard to fool kids. And that's why everyone came to him. And Jesus we know Jesus was at that party with Levi because Jesus responds to the criticism of the, of the Pharisees and says that um, I, he came to save and seek the lost. And so we received the greatest invitation, and Jesus would have been the first one to buy a ticket for that show with Barnum. But then I want to go behind the scenes a little bit. We're going to talk about the next greatest that I see in this movie, and I'm going to call it the greatest identity, but take a look at this behind the scenes look at one of those songs. I'm a stranger to the Lord, hide away, they say, cause we don't want your broken parts, learn to be ashamed of all my scars, run away, they say, with the whole cast singing that song. And 
it's fantastic, it's amazing. But I watched that clip over and over again. Did you see what happened to Kiala Settle? Now, the backstory is that the director said, don't, don't stay behind the music stand. I want you to come out and sing the song. And she was afraid. She was nervous. And she was, who knows what her experiences had been, what names people have called or what labels people had given her. But you see during that song that she comes out, and then she becomes so emboldened, and she begins to weep. There's a transformation that happens here. When we've been labeled, but then God gives us our greatest identity as his kids. And Jesus does this over and over and over again. With Peter, Peter, he says, Simon, you are now Peter. You are the rock on which I'll build my church. There's a, a story in, um, in Luke called the... It's a parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And Lazarus was a beggar. And after um, the rich man had died, the rich man is trying to get someone to, to get Lazarus to continue to serve him in that state and bring him water. And isn't it interesting that Lazarus is named here and the rich man just goes by his label? The rich man had identified himself with his wealth, and that was his defining characteristic. It would have been shocking in this story because you would have named the rich man. You would have known the rich man's name, not the poor man. But Jesus says he gives you a name. And think about these people, these oddities that came. And what were they known by? The bearded lady, the tallest man, the heaviest man, tattoo man, dog boy, the Siamese twins. They were known by their attributes. But God comes and says, I give you an identity. And the, the video cut off right before this moment, but when Kiela comes over to Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman plays Barnum, and she, she says afterwards that she couldn't stand anymore, as if she had this realization. I don't know what went through her, but it was almost to me like watching uh, time-lapse photography. You watch a journey of someone's life where they go from feeling um, unaccepted and excluded to feeling the love of God. I felt like I saw that in just those couple of minutes. And so she, she can hardly stand, and as she reaches out and grabs Hugh's hand for support, and then afterwards he just goes, oh, and he does this. Now, he could have pointed at Keala and said, man, amazing job. He could have pointed to the musicians, but what does he do? He points up. Because why? Because the only way that we can get the greatest identity is when we receive that greatest invitation and allow God to help us to know who we truly are. And so we only receive our true identity from that voice of above. But the other consequence of responding to the greatest invitation is that we get entry into, invitation into the greatest kingdom. Take a look at this clip. If you come to gloat, I wouldn't. They caught the thugs who started the fire. I thought you'd like to know. I never liked your show. But I always thought the people did. They did. They do. 
Mind you, I wouldn't call it art. Of course not. But... Putting folks of all kinds on stage, all colors, shapes, sizes, presenting them as equals. Or another critic might have even called it the celebration of humanity. I would have liked that. Putting folks of all kinds on stage together, of all different colors and sizes and shapes, and presenting them as equals might just be called a celebration of humanity. Wow. This critic had been hounding Barnum. He didn't understand him. He, didn't, he says he didn't like his show, but he sees something. He took a second look. Well, that's the greatest kingdom. Jesus says it this way in Luke 14, or 13, 29. People will come from east and west and north and south, and they will take their place in the kingdom of God. God invites us to be part of the greatest kingdom, and that critic says, celebration of humanity, but we know what it is, right? It's the kingdom of God. We talk about we are utterly committed at Garfield to being a Revelation 7-9 church. Revelation 7-9 says that God, after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. We are utterly committed to representing God's beautiful array of diverse people, all different uniquenesses. And honestly, when, when God pulls us together, we're all misfits in some way or another, right? We've all, we're all broken maybe in different places. But God puts together the greatest kingdom. And Peter says, once you were not a people, but now you are a people. God has brought us together, has given us an identity. So it's not just the individual identity that we talked about, the greatest identity, but we're a part of the greatest kingdom. We're part of a corporate identity as God's people together, as the body of Christ. And Letty says, you gave us a real family at one point in the movie, people that had been excluded and alone. But if you've been around the, living a multi-ethnic life, been part of this multi-ethnic church, a multi-ethnic community. You know, it's not easy. There's always forces working against it, and we know what those forces are, trying to break us apart. We see this in the movie with, in The Greatest Showman, with the protesters that are protesting Barnum's show, and they're out there picketing. And they say, this is our town, and we don't want you freaks here. You and your freaks need to leave. Well, we've seen a little too much of that lately, haven't we? And so the forces try to work against people being together. We also see it in the movie and the love that develops between Philip and Anne. Philip uh, joins at uh, Barnum's persuading to leave his life of upper middle class. He's, a, he's white, he's grown up with many privileges, and, but he takes a risk and he eventually loses everything that he had clung to before in the course of the movie, but he falls in love with Anne, the part of the brother-sister trapeze artist, and she's a person of color. And, but yet they come together and they fall in love, 
And there's obstacles. And there's a point where Anne has always wanted to go to the theater. She hadn't had the opportunity being a person of color. And so Philip arranges this amazing surprise for them to go to the theater together. And so they meet, they're getting ready to go up the stairs, and they run into his parents. Well, his father publicly berates Philip for being with Anne. And he says, Philip, you've lost your place. And Philip says, look, if that's my place, I don't want any part of it. And Anne runs off, humiliated, embarrassed, brokenhearted. And Philip goes after her, and he says, you know, don't listen to, to what they say. They're small-minded people. And she says, Philip, you don't know what it's like the way your parents looked at me, the way everyone looks at me. You've never had people look at you like that. And that really struck a chord with me because as being part of Garfield and, and you know, living a multi-ethnic life and knowing Chip and Terry Freed so well and they're way celebrating their 30th anniversary, which will be September 1st. But as an interracial couple, and sometimes we may sort of overlook almost, so used to Pastor Chip and Terry, but being as close to both of them as I am, I've seen the struggles, the behind-the-scenes struggles, and not just in the past, but in the present, things that happened to them that I would never experience. And throughout their marriage, and when they got together in the 1980s, only 10% of people thought it was okay for an interracial marriage. 10%. That wasn't that long ago. And so they've, they've lived through that, and they're gracious people, and they are loving people. But I know as a, as a white person, there are things I can never understand that my brothers and sisters of color go through. And in conversations, in multi-ethnic conversations, and just being on the journey with folks. I know that I, I can't understand it. I can't feel another person's pain. But I can listen, and I can be there. And in 1 Corinthians 12, here's how Paul puts it. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Did you hear the all? And that every one of you is part of it? And so when one another, when we suffer, we suffer together, we weep together, we lament together. And when there's joy, it's amplified when we celebrate that together. And so that's the greatest kingdom, the beloved community. And that's the church I want to be part of. But we need to resist those forces that seek to fragment us and to break us apart. And we know what that is. We did a whole series on spiritual PPE. Um, the enemy is busy, and the enemy wants to break us apart and divide us and fragment us. But we have been invited to be part of the greatest kingdom. And so we receive the greatest invitation that, that leads to the greatest identity and the greatest kingdom. But, isn't there always a but? I could have ended right here. Three nice little points, but no. Because when you are living this life and taking the greatest invitation, greatest identity, greatest kingdom, you have to make the greatest commitment. Because it isn't easy. And I, I'm going to share another behind-the-scenes clip from when they were trying to get the film greenlit. Now, the backstory on this is Hugh Jackman had just had 
it had taken a year to get these people together. They, they tried to get this movie made for eight, eight or nine years. They finally get everybody together. They're going to run through the whole thing, all the songs, all the dialogue, everything, and then try to get it approved to be made into a movie. So this is like super big deal, getting everybody together. And uh, it just so happened, you know, it took a year to do this. Hugh Jackman had just had a surgery on his nose. He had a cancer removed. Everything's fine. But his, his doctor said, look, you have 80 stitches. You can't sing. You can go through all the motions. You can say all the dialogue. You can do all those things. You can't sing. You just have to tell people that. And so he goes through, and somebody else sings his, his lyrics. And they get through all the songs. And they're getting to the end, this last song. And he hasn't sung at all. But now watch what happens. you see he's, he's bleeding. But there's something so compelling because it takes the greatest commitment. And so over and over again, I have to say from now on, from now on, I remember when I first came to faith in Christ, I was in my early 30s and everything was a wonder. I couldn't wait to read scripture. I couldn't wait to go to prayer and have that intimate time with God. I couldn't wait to be in worship and and believe me, the worship I attended was nothing like the worship we get to experience at Garfield, but I lapped it up. I was desperate for it. And then gradually, I noticed I was, instead of waking up in the morning and praying, I was scrolling through my phone. Instead of devoting that time and being in fellowship with other believers, I was wasting my time in other ways, watching too many videos. And so I had to come back and say, from now on, God, from now on, when I stop and see you here, I remember who all this was for. And we will come back home. And for me, at least, the journey with Christ means that I, over and over again, I have to say, from now on, and start again. And for, for Hugh Jackman's character, for Barnum, he had had so much success, and he was getting distracted, and his, his partner, Philip, says... You know, you've been dividing your attention for too long. And his wife says, 
When will it ever be enough? He was on tour with, with an opera singer trying to get more acceptance in the upper crust circles. And then he had a moment when it looked like he lost everything, he lost his family, and he says, from now on. And that sense of going back home. Think about the story of the prodigal sons in Luke 15 where the, the son has wandered off, but he comes back and his father throws the greatest celebration, the greatest party, because we're always welcome to come back home and we're always invited to come back home. From now on, from now on, making the greatest commitment we know Barna's research says, he, Barna is a great pollster and always keeping the pulse on churches, that one in three practicing Christians has stopped participating in wor regular worship during the pandemic. One in three. That means they're not you know, watching a stream or being present in some other form of worship. One in three. I was encouraged last week when we heard that we have people watching our stream in Singapore and Mexico and then there are some individuals who are actually joining Garfield Memorial Church, who've been going through our, our Connect group, who are joining the church on Monday. I mean, how about that? That's the kind of people that I want to pick up my cross and journey with. That's the kind of people I want to stand with because they're making the greatest commitment to the greatest God. And, and it does take the great commitment, and it is hard work, to be part of the kingdom, to hold on to our identity. But there's something else that happens. There's also the greatest joy. Take a look at this clip. When I first met you, I had an inheritance, claim, an invitation to every party in town. And now, thanks to you, all that's gone. All that's left is friendship, love, and a work that I adore. You brought joy into my life. Into all our lives. Here, here. Find the bank to take joy as collateral. They may not. But I will. I am 10% of the show. Knowing what I was working for, I had the good sense to take my cut weekly. Phil, I can't let you gamble it on me. I am saying you can't. Don't turn sensible on us now. Partners. 50-50. <laughs> <laughs> Partners. <laughs> the only thing is, I don't know how we're going to afford a building. Real estate Manhattan is a terrible investment. Wait, I can get land down by the docks for almost nothing. All we need is a tent. Did you hear them? Philip say, you brought joy to my life. And then everybody else said, yes, you brought joy to all our lives. At the end of The Greatest Showman, they realize that they don't need brick and mortar. They don't need a building. They just need to be together. They just need that presence. And I have not, would never wish what's happened in the last few months with the pandemic of COVID-19. I would never have wished for that. But I believe that God is using it. And will continue to use it. He didn't will it, but God's using it. Why? 
because he's revealing to us that we don't need a building. All we need is a tent. All we need is a tent. And I was talking with Pastor Chip about this, and he had a brilliant connection where he reminded me that the Israelites, before they built the temple, they had a tent. It was called the tabernacle, and they, it, they took it with them wherever they went when they're going in the wilderness. And in the tent was the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, that represented God's presence. And so they carried, they knew that God was with them wherever they went because all they needed was a tent. And so this, as we've been worshiping in different configurations, worshiping in homes, worshiping in cars with our drive-in service, some of us worshiping in person here, but God has revealed to us that God's presence is wherever we are and that God's tent is with us and God's presence is with us. And if we can let that in and experience that, we'll have a mobility and a strength and a courageousness and a joy. Because God, we celebrate that God is with us. And what, how does John tell the gospel, the Christmas story? In John 1.14, he says, and he says other words, God has so loved the world that Jesus the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, you may have heard before that the literal translation, the word became flesh, means Jesus did what? He pitched his tent among us. And so Jesus is present with us, and that's where the joy comes from. And Jesus prayed that we would have his joy, that his joy would be made complete. It's a joy that can seem hard to come by sometimes. And when there's so many things to grieve about so many hurts but even so at the very same time because god is with us because all we need is a tent because god's presence is here and we can celebrate that there's a joy that is unmarked it's unassailable by anything the world can deliver and so when we experience that greatest joy we have the ability to live life so we have the the greatest invitation that leads us to an the greatest identity, the greatest kingdom. Our ticket of admission is the greatest commitment, and we get the greatest joy. There's some words in the song, The Greatest Show. It says, this is where the lost get found, and we crown them the kings of the circus. It's everything you ever want. It's everything you ever need. And it's right here in front of you. And you see the impossible is coming true. And the walls can't stop us now. Let's live in that power. The circus gives a false promise of all that, but God fulfills it. Let's receive it.